Welcome back to another episode. My name is Joe. I'm a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counsellor here to smash the taboo of binge eating. And you know what? Today I am just going to get straight into it and I'm going to be answering one of the most common questions that I hear from you. And that is, why is it so hard to lose weight and keep it off? And I was thinking, okay, how can I answer this very important, very common question in one podcast episode? And I decided I'm just going to have the same DMC, deep, meaningful conversation that I have with my clients. I'm going to have that same conversation with you today. The thing is, and this sounds like the most messed up thing that you've heard, but trying to lose weight is like a drug. When you start your weight loss journey, it can feel amazing. You feel so empowered and you set your food rules, you step on the scale every day, you see the first few pounds fall off so easy and you feel smug and you love that people are noticing and complimenting you. In fact, it's going so well that you're going to cut your food intake back even further because then you'll get your results faster. But then you go out for a meal and drinks with your friends and you have something on the menu that you weren't planning on. And then the next day you vow to start again But the next day you're also a bit hungover, so that's out the window. So instead you have a cheat day and you tell yourself that you're going to start on Monday. But of course, you didn't have your meal prep done because you didn't get around to doing your weekly shop. So you say, right, okay, I'm going to just take this week off and I'm going to get back on it at the end of the week. And then when that comes around, you are so tired and wrecked from a really busy week in work and you feel a bit down about it and you just can't find the energy for it. But you did step on the scales and notice that you have gained a lot of weight in the last week. So although you really want to lose weight, but you're just not bothered right now. And then you think, okay, well, if I didn't go out with my friends, I wouldn't have slipped. So maybe I shouldn't go out with my friends anymore. You think about what else you can cut out, where else you can fit in an extra workout. But you're starting it all with a massive takeaway right now because the thoughts of dieting is just all too much. So you'll deal with that tomorrow, have the takeaway now and you can put off starting your new plan tomorrow. So what I have just described there is an example of diet burnout. Diet burnout isn't written in any of the medical literature and you may see some different descriptions knocking about. But basically, diet burnout is being worn out by the cycle of starting new plans to lose weight that end up with binging a couple of days later. But at the same time, feeling torn because you're still desperate to lose weight. But deep down, you know that you have done this before and you can't just go with another diet. Diet burnout is sometimes called diet rock bottom. And in the book that I'm reviewing at the end of today's show, there's a whole chapter on it. Hitting diet burnout or diet rock bottom is common in chronic dieters and it's inevitable after years of restricting calories. Just like feeling burnt out in your job, reaching diet burnout can lead you to feel completely wiped out. You don't even want to hear the word diet or look at a new diet food or a meal plan, but at the same time you feel sad or foolish because you're still unhappy with your weight loss and you may say things to yourself like, I have been doing this cycle for so long, why can't I just get it right? The thing is, although I have called it diet burnout, you don't technically have to be on a diet to be affected by it. Let's be real here, nobody says they're on a diet anymore. You're probably more likely to say that you're taking it easy with food this week, you're eating light, being good, eating healthy. 
And even if you don't actually achieve any weight loss, which by the way is really common, all of this vocab describe what the research calls restrained eating or a term that I used earlier, chronic dieting. Restrained eating or chronic dieting is the effort to restrict the amount or type of food ingested with the goal of losing weight or preventing weight gain. And the thing is, if you struggle with binge eating, which I'm guessing you do because you're listening to me yap on, you might be somebody who is a restrained eater or chronic dieter. Because research shows that those who are restrained eaters or chronic dieters are more susceptible to binge eating when they're faced with stress or exposure to foods that you have deemed to be off limits and aren't listed in your food rules. Actually, there are three ways that being a restrained eater or chronic dieter leads to binge eating. First up is that physiological hunger by itself is enough to drive you to binge eating. So the hunger that has come about because of the plan you've put yourself on is enough to cause you to binge. Hunger has become something that we question. Something must be wrong if you're hungry. I can't be hungry, I say. I've only eaten an hour ago. The thing is, you don't get to decide when you are hungry. Your body does that for you. Forgive the Liam Neeson reference here, but your body has a very special set of skills to detect when food is needed. Skills such as fluctuating hormones, the ability to detect lowering blood sugar levels and how full or empty your stomach and intestines are. The second way that being a restrained eater or chronic dieter leads to binge eating is that following hunger, attempting to continue to deny yourself food, leaves you susceptible to binge eating when something else comes along like a stressful day or a bad mood. Remember in a previous episode, I spoke about the fight or flight response and how food can be used to calm the nervous system in times of high stress. And thirdly, when you have strict food rules to abide by, simply the thoughts of breaking one of these rules can cause a backlash effect in the other direction. This is something I've talked about before, and it's known in research as the abstinence violation effect. And it's basically the feck everything effect. I have messed up a little bit, so why even bother trying to continue? It's like you've dropped your phone and cracked the screen a little bit. So instead of just picking it up and moving on with your day, you proceed to whack it against a wall until it's completely smashed. Your reaction to the small crack was to say, well, it's fecked now. There's no point salvaging it. So now you have just binge and you probably have to come up with a whole new plan to quote unquote, get back on it and start losing weight again. But that's the thing, it's never as easy to lose weight as it was the first time around. So as I said, dieting is like a drug and we're always chasing that first high that we had because that was the best one. Have you ever said to yourself, I wish I was the weight now as I was when I first started to diet? Trying to lose weight is one of the leading causes of weight gain. Just have to let that sink in for a minute. Trying to lose weight is one of the leading causes of weight gain. Studies have indicated that achieving weight loss with vast calorie deficits probably interferes with future weight loss attempts because taking in way less calories than needed makes your body think you must be in some kind of famine. Food isn't available right now. So it needs to get better at storing fat so that you can survive if food isn't around for the foreseeable. Did you know that when you are lying in bed all day, say you don't get out of bed for the entire day, you are still burning calories. 
Your body needs calories to perform all the daily tasks of being a body, such as keeping your heart beating, digesting food, contracting your bowels so you can poop. You burn less calories after a diet than you did before you started the diet. After a diet, you need to eat fewer calories to maintain your weight and even fewer than that to lose weight again. And that's the reason why you may find that you gain weight really quickly after your diet has finished or after you have come off your diet. Remember, one of the strongest predictors for weight gain is dieting. I want to just take a second to recognize that I know how hard this is to hear. From a personal perspective, I'm acknowledging the fact that I have not lived in a bigger body. I have lived in a body that is culturally accepted and nobody is banging on to me that I should lose weight. And I don't have friends or family who are giving me the once over to see if I've lost weight every time I meet up with them. It is hard not to strive for weight loss when society is telling you that your body is not acceptable. If you feel discriminated against because of your weight by society, by loved ones, by your employer, I am truly so sorry and please know that of course I believe that that is not okay. Weight stigma is a moral failing and we have so much work to do. But wherever you lie on the weight spectrum, please know that you are worthy of help to overcome binge eating. And no matter where you are on the weight spectrum, you do not have to lose weight. You do not have to make your body smaller. In another episode, I'm going to delve into health at every size, which basically means that everybody is entitled to feel healthy and feel well in the bodies that they are in. You do not have to lose weight in order to be your healthiest self. And we have lots of research now to indicate that weight loss doesn't automatically mean better health. Another question I get at this point is, what's going to happen to my weight if I overcome binge eating? And firstly, it's a great question. Know that when you overcome binge eating, the primary goal is to heal your relationship with food and to help you feel a bit more normal, for want of a better word, around food. It's my professional opinion that Losing weight shouldn't be the primary goal for overcoming binge eating because, as I've talked to you about today, binge eating and weight loss are so closely linked. So I always say to my clients, please put the goal for weight loss just to one side for now. And it's something that you can return to in the future when you have rebuilt a healthy relationship with food. So to answer your question about what happens when you overcome binge eating, what happens to your weight We just don't know. Some people will lose weight once they overcome binge eating. Some people will gain weight and some people, their weight will just stay the same. One of those three things is going to happen, but we can't put any pressure for one of them to happen because that's just going to create more tension, more rules, more stress around your relationship with food, which is exactly what we're trying to avoid. So for overcoming binge eating, it is helpful to put that goal for weight loss to one side. And if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But if you do feel that you're at the diet burnout stage, my advice to you is to scrap the rule books, at least for a while. Allow yourself to eat everything. All the foods that you prohibited, it's time to re-permit access to them. This is the time to rediscover joy in eating finding foods that you actually like and dismissing the ones that you really don't, at least for the most part. 
I call myself an anti-diet dietitian and I use intuitive eating to guide my practice. Intuitive eating is a framework that helps you to relearn how to eat in tune with your body's cues. It's a lot more complex and nuanced than just eating whatever you want and whenever you want it, but I can assure you that it's not a diet. In fact, it's got a strong evidence base that it's an anecdote to eating disorders and disordered eating. It helps you to relearn how to eat in a way that feels good to you for now and for the rest of your life. I bet that you know somebody who is an intuitive eater. And I bet that they don't even know they are. I believe that we're all born intuitive eaters. After all, if you've ever looked after a baby, you know that they are the best at telling you when they are hungry, right? They don't stop crying until you feed them. Babies don't see their hunger as been something that's wrong, something that we question. They're just hungry. And when you're hungry, you have to eat. I believe that we're all born intuitive eaters, but as we go through life, we pick up different messages from society that tell us that how we eat and how our bodies look are wrong in some way. And it's the dieting culture, always being on and off plans, being good, being healthy, is what causes the messed up relationship with food in the first place. In the show notes, I'm going to leave a couple of primary texts for intuitive eating, one of which I'm going to review at the end of today's episode. And I'm going to put in the show notes some excellent sources of information about intuitive eating, Instagram accounts to follow, books to read, if you want to learn more today. Intuitive eating was developed by two dietitians in the States back in the 90s. And since then, the evidence base has grown and grown. And so that's why we're talking so much about it today, because there is such a strong evidence base behind it now. You may hear people such as myself call themselves intuitive eating counsellors. And the two dietitians who created this um this framework intuitive eating, they also created a certification process. So healthcare professionals and non-healthcare professionals can take this program to call themselves certified intuitive eating counsellors. And thankfully, all intuitive eating counsellors can be found in one place. There is a directory. So I'll link you to the directory in the show notes as well, so that you can find an intuitive eating counsellor in your area. When choosing an intuitive eating counsellor, it may be most beneficial to choose somebody who is also qualified in another healthcare realm, such as a registered psychologist, um, psychotherapist, dietitian or nutritionist. Bringing it back to the initial question about why is it so hard to lose weight and keep it off. Intuitive eating is not a weight loss framework. Weight loss is never the goal with intuitive eating. But like overcoming binge eating, weight loss might happen as a byproduct, but it also might not happen or your weight might just stay the same. Intuitive eating is something that you can do for the rest of your life, though, and it has been shown to be beneficial in eating disorders, disordered eating and binge eating. But of course, there is no pressure to start anything. If you are happy with how you're eating now, continue with that. The most important thing is that you are happy. All right, so gonna leave you there. Thank you so much for sticking with me. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a review on iTunes um, and come and say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at binge.eating.dietitian. I'm gonna leave you with my 30 second cereal box book review today. I'm reviewing Intuitive Eating by the two dietitians who have created it, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Fresh. It's linked in the show notes. And after that, 
I will see you in the next episode. Intuitive Eating, the fourth edition, a revolutionary anti-diet approach is written by two dietitians, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. These ladies are the founder of Intuitive Eating, so everything to do with Intuitive Eating, including all the evidence base, all the research behind it, all the uses in research and in real life scenarios are written in this book. It's a total deep dive into Intuitive Eating. Everything you want about Intuitive Eating is in this book, but as a result, it is quite heavy, so I would recommend that you take it slow. Don't try and speed through it. Just take it chapter by chapter.